got kind of a heavy subject on my mind, and as I've studied it out this week, it just kept getting bigger, bigger and bigger. Uh, there's no way I'm going to finish this subject this Sunday, but I'd like to give it a, a, a chance to kind of wade in. I want to talk about the subject of suicide and suicidal thoughts. I dare say that uh, suicide has touched probably every family, or you know of someone whose family that it has touched. It is prevalent throughout our, our country, our existence, and uh, it is something that uh, we need to be versed on, know what God says. It turns out that in Scripture I found seven men that actually took their lives. There's a whole bunch of folks that wanted to take their lives, and we're going to look at some of these uh, records, those accounts. They're just not there just for our fanciful reading. They are for our learning. Uh, but as we go through this particular subject, even if you're thinking suicide, well, that doesn't apply to me, I think a lot of the things we will learn from this lesson is even if you're just down and depressed and out, suicide's not on your thought, some of the things that we learn from this study could be useful even in that situation also. So it is for everyone. If you ever run into someone, you might be uh, looking out for something. Uh, I would like to share these things. Okay, with that being said, uh, a couple things I want to, 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 to launch into. I want to make this very clear. <clears throat> that I do not believe the way a person dies does determine where he goes. Hear that? Okay, it's not the unpardonable sin. Got some scripture I want to do. I just want to put that right out from the beginning so as we go forward to give the context. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, talking about the finished work of Jesus Christ, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life can separate us from the love of God. I'll read the whole passage. How you die does not separate you from the love of God. That neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Samson is one of the characters recorded in the scripture that actually took his life, and he took it in a fit of rage. This was not a glorious martyr-type action. It was all about him. In Judges 16.28, it says, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may at once be I'm sorry, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistine for my eyes. When he took his life, it was all about him. He was mad, he was mocked, his eyes were poked out, and he was angry, and he wanted to get even. But notice what it says there in Hebrews 11 and verse 32. He is recorded in that hall of faith. We see him listed here with such greats as David and Samuel. And this is 11.32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, and of Samuel, and of the prophets. He's listed right among them. He had a weakness at the end of his life. Some people have weaknesses in the beginning of their lives. Some people have it in the middle of their lives. Some people have it at the end of their lives. Jesus' blood covers it all. 
Okay? So that being said, <clears throat> let's look at this in Hebrews 1.3. It says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. I love that phrase, by himself. Sat down on the right hand of majesty. 1 John 3, 5. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. And I do believe that this sin would even be including murder, and that's self-murder. I'll get more into the sixth commandment and what that means in future Sundays, but I just wanted to put that out front that that is not an unforgivable sin. Jesus' blood is stronger than that. Okay, and we have great glory in that. Okay, <clears throat> but I do want to show you something. Lord willing, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this, this, this thing of, uh, called suicide. And, and I want you to know that suicide is not arrived at overnight. It, it, it festers and it is fueled over a period of time. And that's one of the reasons why I'm preaching that. If you're having certain thoughts of depression or you would like your life to be over, there's some things we can do. And as Brother Brian said in his introduction, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be one of these grandiose miracles. It could be asking a brother for help. One of the things we're going to study is Satan's work. And he is the liar and he's a destroyer. And one of the things that happens when someone gets in the state, they withdraw themselves from people. And you may tell yourself, I need to get out and talk to people. He's going to be on your shoulder whispering, no, they're not going to help you. They don't care about you. Just stay to yourself. We're going to study those things out. What happens is, is and it could be an imbalance of neurochemicals. Some of us have to take shots for maybe insulin. Something in our body, because of the fall, is inadequate. Some of us have some neurochemicals that don't transmit thoughts and ideas, and sometimes we need some medical help. It may be a result of the fall. It might be a result of environment. It might be a, a result of the, your, your input. It could be a result of stress. could be a stress, a lot of things, okay? I, that, that could be. Now, I do believe that is overprescribed in our current society, but that certainly could be. Okay, we don't want to rule that out. So I don't want to get up here and say, you're having depression, it's sin. Well, we're going to look at five men today that had thoughts of depression, that had a death wish. And two of these men are Elijah and Moses. These are God-honoring men, and I did not see sin in their life. Other things happened to them, and they got to that place where they were very discouraged. So I want to talk about that. Lord, let me give you the big picture. The big picture is today, <clears throat> I just want to look at five men. These are all Old Testament characters that were really begging God, God, just take me out. Okay? And I want to look at their cases. I want to look at what they were thinking, what they were doing, what they were not doing, and see what we can learn from those people. That's today. And I just want to show you that it can happen to very God-honoring people. So let's don't put up that wall and this is only people for weak people or sinners or, you know, whatever it is. It can happen to any of us. 
Jesus was challenged by Satan, jump from that building. If he could challenge Jesus Christ to jump from a building, he certainly could fall prey to any of us. Okay? So that's what we want to do today. Next Sunday, Lord willing, or whenever we come together, I want to look at five men that actually took their lives. And I want to show the progression. Do you remember the last series we just did in, in, in Matthew's But I Says, when Jesus was saying, But I Say? What, what, what we studied in there is we were looking at sin in most religions, most, most doctrine, most commandments in, in, in the modern day church is set up to catch sin from the heart before we act upon it with our hands and our eyes and our mouth. But what Jesus was doing in that sermon was get to it before the sin implants in the heart or the mind, therefore, before we can act upon it. Well, it's the same thing with suicidal thoughts. You know, once it implants in here, we want to get to that person before they act on it. But today's message is actually trying to address it before it gets to the action part, before it embeds in the heart. So we're going to look at that in a very similar passage. So first Sunday, we're going to look at people that were just depressed, that just wanted to be taken out of this world. Then we're going to go to Scripture, and we're going to look at the people that actually did do it, that committed and took their life. And the last Sunday, I want to look at the New Testament, and I want to look at Judas, Jesus, and the jailer. One of them had the word and turned his back on the word. One of them had the word, and it was part of him. And the other one never even heard the word. And that's going to be our last message. And in that, we're going to look at Satan's role in all of that. So kind of a big plan, big, big, big outline. And I got to be honest with you, usually when I do a sermon like that, I don't have all three sermons all lined out that pretty and that nice beforehand. But this is something I just couldn't let go this week. And I buried myself in my office and I was there for a lot of hours this week. So maybe I can show my wife a little attention this week. But she didn't see me this last week. Because it just, just got that much involved in it. Okay? But I do want to make this one distinction. <clears throat> it's okay to want to go to heaven. Okay? Just don't hurry up the process. You got it? This is Paul. Philippians 1, 21. And I say that specifically as I look at Sister Rhoda. Because every song she ever calls out is talking about heaven. She's, 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 she's ready to go, okay? And that's good. That's the hope that we have in us. I don't want to discount that. But eat your vegetables, okay? You understand what I'm saying. Verse 21, this is Philippians 1 and 21. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul was not being suicidal here. Verse 22, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, Yet what I choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to part, to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Here's Paul at the end of his ministry. And he says, I'm old and I'm tired and I've been beaten up. And these people have been persecuting. And I'm ready to go home to be with Jesus. But you know what Paul said? He says, I'm not hurrying up the process. And as long as I'm here, I'm going to keep on preaching and getting beat up and persecuted. You got it? 
So there you go. Okay. And one more passage. In Romans 8, <clears throat> this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. What Paul is writing here, he says, I've done a calculation and these bumps in the road right here, they're nothing compared to heaven that waits me when Jesus comes back. So it's okay to look forward to heaven. It's okay to think as this earth is a very temporary place. But it's not okay to hurry up and go there on your own efforts. God has us here. We are, this body is our, we're stewards over our body. This body is not ours. It's his body, and we need to take care of it. And, and that could mean taking away things that might risk our body, but it might be something else like taking away other things like tobacco or driving fast or a motorcycle or, or you know, whatever it is. Skydiving, you, you, you can fill in the blank. Verse 19, for the earnest expectations of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Inside us, we have a spiritual being, and that spiritual being is saying, I can't wait to get out of this clay pot. And that's okay. That's okay. All right, so I don't want to discount that. I want to put everything, try to, in perspective. Okay, with that being said, I've got five people <clears throat> that I'd like to look at that just wished that the Lord would take them out. Okay? And let me tell you who the five are. Moses, Elijah, Job, Jeremiah, and Jonah. Got it? We're going to look at those five today. That'll be a full plate. Give you time to meditate on these. Again, these are, well, Jonah's the shaky one. And I want to say this. I'm going to say this right up front. You see, Elijah got to a place... And we're going to read about it in a second. And he says, Lord, take me out. I just want to die. And you know what happened? God sent him a storm, an earthquake, a fire, and a still small voice. And he got his attention. Then we go over to the last character, Jonah. And Jonah says, he told him, I want to die. And God sent him a storm, a big fish, a hot sun, and a dry wind. He never got Jonah's attention. Okay, So we're looking at these five characters. And sometimes we'll deal with people and we just can't get their attention. And I don't want you ever to be so burdened with guilt if someone close to you has taken their life and you go, I shoulda, woulda, coulda. That guilt does not belong on you. Amen? Okay. That's one good thing about God's word. It's so thorough. It gives us so many examples. There's one of everything in there. Who says the Bible is boring? Who says it's outdated? Or who says it's not applicable today. Okay? Yeah, that's right. I don't, I don't see social internet on here. But I see gossiping, right? Same thing, yes? Okay. All right. <clears throat> so I'm in, I want to look at Moses. He's the first character. This, is, this, this account's all recorded here in Numbers chapter 11. 
And let's start reading here in verse 9 to kind of get the context. <clears throat> and when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Do you remember um, Israel was wandering through the wilderness and they said, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. So finally God, what he did is he, 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 he created. So six days out of every seven, some food came down. You think Israel would have been happy? You think Moses would have had a little bit of break from the people because they finally got free food, right? It was just not just regular food. It was good food. But the only thing they had to complain is on the sixth day, they had to get twice as much because they weren't allowed to pick it up on the seventh day. Okay, verse 10. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. They get this food. Nothing more discouraging for a pastor to hear a grumbling congregation. Not happy about anything. Don't like the sermons. Don't like the singing. Don't, 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 don't like the church building. Don't, don't, don't like the gap. Don't, just Nothing. You want to get a pastor discouraged? Just complain about everything. Okay? Well, that's what Moses is going through. I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm not applying that at all. Okay? But don't do it anyway. Okay? <laughs> Verse 11. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? God, I can't take it anymore. Verse 12. Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me, carry them in thy bosom? As a nursing father beareth the sucking child unto a land which thou swearest unto their fathers? Whence should I have flesh to give unto all these people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. They were sick and tired of manna from heaven. And they wanted some meat. And Moses is getting near the breaking point. 14. He says to God, this is where he says, Lord, take me out. I am not able to bear all these people alone. That's a key. Got it? Alone. Because it is too heavy for me. Got it? And if thou deal thus with me, Kill me, I pray thee, out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. As we look at this, this is where his perspective was off. He thought everything depended on him. That's a problem. And the other thing you'll find out is that his speech is loaded with the me monster. You know the me monster? The speech loaded with me, myself, and I? You, it, all of a sudden you, you start hearing that. So, you know, here we are, members of a church, and maybe we have a, a family member, maybe we have an in-law, maybe we have a co-worker, maybe we have a neighbor, maybe we have somebody, and you're starting to see this kind of behavior. That's a little green flag. What's going on there, Right? And it might not be suicidal. It might not be even have a death wish. It might just be depression. These techniques are good for even in that low level. Okay? 
kill me, I pray thee. This is Moses, right? Verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. Isn't that cool? God said, Okay, Moses, you think everything depends on you? I'm going to send you seventy helpers. Sometimes I just take one helper. 70 helpers. Well, he was dealing with a bigger congregation than I'm dealing with. Amen. Probably close to a million people. Just 70 helpers. Verse um, 17. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear not thyself alone. And say unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. So he did a couple things. Number one is he gave them the helpers that he needed. And and Moses had that problem. Do you remember when Moses met his um, father-in-law Jethro? And he was telling Jethro everything the Lord was doing to him. And you know what the first thing Jethro said? He says, Moses, you're taking too much upon yourself. Delegate. Delegate. Well, this is what he did. So he gave him the help that he needed. And he also gave the people the flesh that they wanted. God is graceful. And he answered his prayer. But then you know what I find most interesting is? He said, okay, here's your 70 helpers. Here's the flesh for the people. And then he said, Moses, get to work. That's important too. Get to work. Because when you're working, you're not thinking about yourself. Right? Get to work. We're going to see that phrase used over and over. So someone comes along, they're down the depths and you help them with their physical need, and then you tell them, get to work? That sounds mean. No, it sounds like God. Amen? That's what he said. Okay, one down, four to go. Let's go to the next fellow. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. This is Elijah. Again, pretty prominent fellow. Remember when Moses was on Mount Transfiguration? He saw a couple people up there, right? Who were the people he saw up there? Moses and Elijah. These, these, these are the heavy hitters of the Bible, right? And they had death wishes. So I'm in verse 4 now, <clears throat> and I'll do a little bit of paraphrasing to give you the context. Do you remember at this particular time, Elijah just went through this great big battle with 450 prophets of Baal? And they had this contest, and, 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 and Moses was sitting there mocking them, and they, and they brought all this, 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 this wood and the offering and poured water on it. And he said, let's call our gods and see you can do this. And, and, and well, anyway, he had this tremendous victory. And after he had this tr- tremendous victory, Jezebel, not even Ahab the king, his wife Jezebel says, Elijah, I hate you. I'm going to take you out. And he got scared. He had the God of heaven 
that lapped up a sacrifice that 450 prophets couldn't. One to 450, and he won the contest, and now he's scared of an old woman, Jezebel. What happened to him? Was it a lack of faith? We're going to find out it wasn't a lack of faith. He was just tired and hungry. Food and sleep deprivation. That'll put you out of sorts. Amen? That's all it was. Okay, let's go there. One time, this is a true story. One time my sister back in Michigan called me up. She was having a real rough time. And I asked my I says, when's the last time you had a good meal? I don't know. When's the last time you had some greens? I don't know. When's the time you went out and just walked around the block? I don't know. I says, well, go get yourself a good meal. Get a steak dinner. Order lots of greens. Go walk around the block. Get a good night's sleep and call me tomorrow morning. Worked fantastic. Basically, that's what he did for Elijah. Let's read it now. Okay. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord, to take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. This is Elijah speaking to God after he's been on the run and he had this incredible contest. The problem was he was so busy doing God's stuff, he forgot to take care of himself and he didn't eat or sleep for a long time. Yeah, you make a lot of dumb decisions when you don't eat or sleep for a long time. Okay? <clears throat> and, and, and when I say you haven't eaten sleep, slept for a while, you might have been eating and sleeping, but what if all you've been eating is fast food for about seven days? Yeah, that could be you. Well, my stomach's full. Yeah, but there aren't any nutrition in there. There aren't any, any vitamins making your, helping your brain think. Okay? So not only that. Verse 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, the angel of the Lord touched him and said unto them, Arise and eat. And he looked and beheld. And there was a cake baking on some coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he ate and he drank. You know what he did then? He slept some more. And he laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. This went on for 40 days. He must have been really depleted. Yes? And again, if you have a friend and they're down in the dumps and they've been going through these kind of cycles for a long period of time, it's not going to turn around just like that. Remember the suicidal thoughts don't come just like that. It's a long process. Well, the turning around, it's like an ocean liner. It doesn't turn on a dime. It takes a while to get that thing pointed around in the right direction. Verse 8, And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength and the meat forty days and forty nights. He ate and he slept. Forty days and forty nights unto Mount of God. Okay? We're still here in 1 Kings 19. Let me read a couple more verses. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
And it was so that when Elijah heard it, he wrapped up the face in his mantle, and he went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him, which said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken the covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Does that language sound a little bit like Moses? He thought everything depended on him. Just me, just little old me, right? And he said, I'm the only one left. It, everything depends on me. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return unto the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi shall, be, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abimoholah shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it came to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehel slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed down on the male to Baal, and every mouth which thou hast not kissed him. He said, I'm going to send you a couple of kings a prophet. And by the way, there's a congregation of 7,000 like-minded believers you just lost touch with. Moses only got 70 helpers. He got 7,000. Amen? God provided what he needed. Gave him the food, gave him the sleep, gave him the social, gave him the emotional support. Anyone want to guess what he's going to tell them next? Get to work. Get to work. When you're working, it's hard to think about yourself. Amen? Amen. When you're down on the depths, sometimes the best thing to do is look around for someone in need and go help them out. Best medicine I know of. Number three, Job. Job. Now, I got to admit, Job had it rough. He was absolutely devastated. His, his health was clobbered. His family, he suffered loss of 10 children. Terrible. Amen? And then he lost his sustenance, his assets. So he was in this, he, he was just sorrowful. And this is what he says in chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. Why died I not? From the womb. Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of thy belly? The belly. Why did the knees prevent me and the breasts that I should suck? He, basically, he's saying, Why was I born? Lord, I wish you had just had a miscarriage when I was still in the womb. Okay? That's pretty depressing, isn't it? Chapter 3, 20 and 21. Wherefore is the light given unto him that is in misery and life unto the bitter soul which long for death? Moses wanted to die. 
I'm sorry, not Moses, Job. Job wanted to die. But it cometh not, and dig for it more than hid treasures. Chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. Oh, that I might have my request, and that God would grant me the thing which I long for. Job, what do you long for? Not a Mercedes. Not a single-digit golf handicap. He wanted to die. Even that it would please God, destroy me. That he would lose his hand and cut me off. Lord, please take me out. Just end it. Just end it. This was a little bit different. His approach with Moses was a little bit different. Now, Moses had four friends. The problem was, or four counselors, his wife and three buddies. The problem was, is he left worse shape than when he started with them. So you may seek advice, but it could be bad advice. So if you're seeking for advice, don't go to Oprah or Dr. Phil. Go to Scripture. Okay? Be careful on social media if that's where you're getting your advice. Make sure it's godly advice. And even a good man like Job surrounded him with four people. They, they didn't do him any good. They didn't help him. Okay. They kind of had to, well, you're having this because you sinned. Wrong. Okay. There's no scripture in there that says bad things happen to only bad people. Sometimes good people suffer tragedy. Chapter 38, 1 through 4. You know what God's going to do? He's going to work on Job's perspective. And I love this. And he said, Job, well, let's read his words. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? <laughs> you're speaking and you're dumb. That's what he's saying. You're speaking without knowledge. You're saying dumb things. Gird up the loins. You know what that means? Go to work, right? For I will demand of thee... And answer thou me, where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? I wasn't even a twinkle in my mom and dad's eye. Declare if thou hast understanding. And of course, Job couldn't say anything. And then in verse, chapter 40 and verse 7, he says it again. Gird up the loins like a man. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. So he worked on his perspective he worked on his perspective. He gave him a godly perspective. And then he said, Job, get to work. Man, I don't like that get to work medicine. When I'm down like that, I want to be coddled. I never, he did coddle. He, he, he gave Moses what he needed. He gave Elijah what he needed. He gave Job what he needed, perspective. But then he said, get to work. It sounds a little different than our modern culture, amen? Yeah. Okay, number four, Jeremiah 20. I'll put a little bit of higher gear here. Jeremiah 20. He was another one with a death wish. Now, this poor guy, <coughs> he was preaching, and, and he was preaching exactly what God told him to preach. And you know what happened when he preached? They hit him, they threw him in jail, and put him in stocks. What kind of reward system is that? Okay. Jeremiah 20, verse 1. 
Now Pasher, the son of Immer, the priest, who was also chief governor of the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. And Pasher smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And it came to pass on the morrow that Pasher brought forth Jeremiah out of stocks. Then said Jeremiah unto him, The Lord hath not called thy name Pasher, but Magar Misabib. Forgive me for some of the pronunciations, okay? I'm skipping down to verse 7 now. This is Jeremiah speaking. O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. See that me monster? Me, 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 me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil. See, the problem was, is he wasn't preaching the gospel, he was preaching poor tidings. He was preaching God's judgment. People didn't want to hear bad news. Because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Verse 9, then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Praise the Lord, Jeremiah. He says, I was preaching this stuff and only bad. And I said, that's it. I'm done preaching. But the word just ate him up from within inside. And he says, I can't be quiet. For I heard the defaming of many fear on every side. Report say, they, report, they say, and we will report it. All my familiars watched for my halting, saying, Peradventure he will be enticed, and he shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. I mean, they're gunning for him. Still Jeremiah 20, verse 14. Cursed be the day that I was born. Sounds like Job's language, right? Why was I born? Let not the day wherein my mother bear me be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought tidings to my father and say, a man child is born unto thee, making him very glad. And let that man be as the cities the Lord overthrew and repented not. And let him hear the cry in the morning and the shouting at noontime. Because he slew me not from the womb. Cursed be that man that was happy in my birth. It would have been far better if God just took me out when I was born. That's a pretty sad state. Amen? Or that the mother might have been my grave and her womb to be always great with me. Wherefore came I forth out of the womb to see labor and sorrow that my days should be consumed with shame. I was born and from that day forward nothing happened. You know what he needed? He needed Romans 8, 18. Right? For I reckon that the Trials of this life are nothing compared to the glory that waits. But he lost sight. Okay, anyone want to guess what God did for him? Can you think anything what he did? You know what he did? He sent him a couple helpers. And then after he sent him a couple helpers, guess what he told them? Get to work. Get to work. The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, which King Zedekiah sent unto him, Pashur the son of Milkiah, and Zephaniah the son of the priest, saying, and we go on and we can read the rest of that passage, but he sent him a couple helpers. 
So you know what Jeremiah did? He preached to those two helpers, and they listened. And he found two souls that actually believed him. You know, you can preach for a long time and get no, 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 but every once in a while, Lord, just toss in someone that will believe you're preaching, and it'll just get you the emphasis to go keep on going on and on and on. Right? It's like, Brother Osby, is like when, when you golf and you have a really bad day, but on the 18th hole, you shoot a birdie. You go, I'm coming back, right? Right? That's how it goes. All right. I golfed a long time ago, pre-children. That's been a long time. Okay? Okay, number five, our last character we want to look at, Jonah. Now, Jonah, he's, he's a sight. We had four men that we looked at so far that had death wishes, and they all turned around. Jonah, I can't say that he turned around. If I had a suicide watch, I wouldn't have taken Jonah off of it. He showed no fruits. He didn't respond to God's actions. You know why? Because he was too mad. Jonah, what could you possibly be mad at? You preached, and 120,000 people repented, and they started following the Lord. Every preacher I know would do cart flips to have that kind of reaction. And he got mad. You know why he got mad? He forecasted doom, and doom didn't happen. What a bunch of pride that is. His pride versus 120,000 people that responded to the Lord and got their lives saved. And he was mad. I think that guy's still on the suicide watch. I don't know what happened to him after that. But let's read the context. Okay. In Jonah uh, chapter 4, verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. Here's that death wish. God, take me out. For it is better for me to die than to live. I'm jumping down to verse 8. Here's the death wish again. And it came to pass when the sun did arise, God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, and he fainted, and he wished himself to die, and said, it is better for me to die than live. Lord, this life is just too much for me. I can't take it anymore. Please just take me out. Let's look at some of God's responses. In verse 4, God's asking me, he says, do us well to be angry? Jonah, why are you mad? What's wrong with you? I'm jumping down to verse 9. God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. You're darn right I'm mad. And I've got every right in the world to be mad. (laughs) Sometimes we meet people like that. What do you do? You just try to love them and keep praying. Amen? Amen? Verse 10, then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither made as it grow, which came up in the middle of the night and perished in the night. Should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein more than six score, that's 220, thousand persons, which cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. Jonah was the exception of the five people we looked at. We'll run into people like that, okay? And I want you to know, it's not your fault. It's not your burden. You got it? Okay. So we've covered five. It's been a pretty good message so far, I think. 
But, but, but let's just go over the five things. And I'm going to end right here. There's the passage in, uh, um, it's in uh, 2 Timothy 2, 25 through 26, but I guess we'll save that for next week. It's a little bit of the solution. I encourage you to read that. Write down in your notes, 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26. But let's see my, summer, my observations of these. Number one, these men found themselves isolated from other faithful believers. If you're really getting down to the dumps, when I'm down, you know what I do? I withdraw. Deborah says, Dolph, what's wrong? And I lie through my teeth. Nothing. You want to talk? No. What can I do? Nothing. Let me be. Worst thing in the world to do. Sometimes she listens to me, sometimes she doesn't listen to me, because that's not what I need. Okay? And Ecclesiastes 4.10. We're social beings, that's the way God made us. Number two. These men lost their perspective. They felt disengaged with God. They stopped talking to God. Now, you know, it's kind of interesting. We're going to go to the next set of men that actually committed suicide. At least these five are talking to God. And the next five, they stopped talking to God. Except Samson. And you know what? He didn't talk to God. He talked at God. Okay? But that's a big difference. We need like believers, and we need to start talking to God. Okay? And you can look up James 4 8 for that. Number three, most of these men felt like everything depended upon them. You're setting yourself up for a big failure whenever you get to that point. If you're a husband, if you're a father, if you're a pastor, if everything depends on you, you're in sorry shape. He didn't make the church that way. He didn't make a family that way. He didn't make a country that way. You're just thinking too much of yourself. Number four, most of these men experience some unmet physical need. Sleep, food, fellowship. Those are easy to take care of. But when you're in the throes of despair, you reject it all. Okay? If you feel yourself getting in the throes of despair, look at those things. Like I told you, I, my, my sister called me up one day and she was this emotional wreck. I said, eat a good meal, walk around the block, go to bed and talk to me the next day. You know what? We had a great conversation. If I would have tried to talk to her that night, I'd done nothing but make her mad. Right? The physical needs were met. Now, that doesn't guarantee everything is going to be... That's a starting point. doesn't think everything's going to be rosy, right? That's a starting point. And then finally, number five, God supplied that which was physically lacking. Then he told each of these men, get to work. Brother Dolph says, you're in despair. You're supposed to get to work. Oh, I'm so down and out, I can't even lift my head off the pillow. Well... You take care of the physical needs, whatever they might be, then you get to work. And it's not going to turn around overnight. It may take 40 days and 40 nights. But you just put one foot on the other and you just make that progress. Okay?
All right. So a lot of problems were presented today. We got some time to, to go through this. We don't have to rush through this. But uh, I've been excited reading this. It's been giving me a lot of insight, not only for people that maybe have suicidal tendencies or thoughts, but even people that just get down to the dumps once in a while. This is good stuff for just for that, even on a less serious basis. So the, may, the Lord bless you. And, and uh, read Second Timothy 2, 25, 26. We'll cover that at the beginning of next Sunday, and then we'll move on. Amen.